Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. On a Friday in October that feels a lot like a Friday in, dare I say, August or June, maybe not July. It's going to be nice. It is nice. Get out there. Do something. Be creative. Run amok. Uh, Scott Warris in for Jeff. He'll be back on Monday. I want to just right out of the gate, as you heard in Eric's cast, Whitey Ford passed away. He is the all-time winner, or um, is that the right way to put it? The all-time winningest pitcher in New York Yankees history. So I'm going to put out an alert for the rule of three. You know that I subscribe to the Celebrity Death Rule of Three, and uh, we're going to put this one into the sports world, maybe as specific as the baseball world, because over the course of the last week, we have lost Bob Gibson, great pitcher for the Cardinals, and now Whitey Ford, Hall of Fame pitcher for the New York Yankees. So I know some of you are going to say, well, Scott, Tom Seaver passed away. Ah, That was back in August. And uh, Lou Brock passed away, but that was back in mid-September. So that is a little bit beyond the scope of the rule of three. So let's just put this, we'll put this alert out. Be on alert for the celebrity death. They come in threes, folks. They come in triplicate. The science proves it. The data is there. And we are on alert for a sports, and perhaps even as specific as baseball, celebrity death rule of three with these last two passings of great Major League Baseball pitchers. I, l- l- let me just start with the question that I was talking with Steve about, and he was talking about John Lennon. I, Like I said, I'm, I'm 39 years old, so for my entire life, John Lennon has been dead. Why answer this question? Here's the question I'm going to throw out here. Seriously. Today is the 80th anniversary of his birth. He's been dead for 40 years, right? Why is that still a story? Why do we sit here in 2020 and for generations, maybe not my generation or those younger than me, why does that still matter? Why does John Lennon still matter? Um, I admit, I'm not a mu- I'm, I'm not a music buff i'm not a music expert i know music i know the beatles i mean don't don't think i've just you know walked into something what is this thing called songs i I mean i get that all right i know i know but why explain to me explain to me and quite frankly explain to generations younger than me why John Lennon still matters in 2020? What was it about John Lennon that, what would you say, transcends generations? I, I just, I, I don't, I didn't experience it. The music is great. He was an activist. I get that. But as I, you know, think about it, I go, well, look, we, we have a lot of activists now in entertainment, in Hollywood, in, in the music industry, in sports. So is it because Lennon was one of the first to break into that realm and go beyond what he was known to do, being a, a musician, a singer, songwriter, whatnot? 
AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. I say this a lot if you catch me on the night show. There are moments and there are topics and there are stories that I, as an individual, I just, I, I can't relate to. It's hard for me to do so. And I think there are certain stories, there are certain topics that I will lean on you to help guide me through this conversation. So just to put this in some perspective, I'm sitting back at my desk and I'm hearing this in the news throughout the day. And I admit, I thought, why is this a story? Why why are we still discussing John Lennon on the anniversary of his birth when he's been gone for four decades? So let me open it up. Tell me why John Lennon deserves the attention, is getting attention. 40 years. I mean, how many people how many people are we still talking about 40 years after they've been gone? And let's take would you say let's take presidents out of it. Let's take, you know, famous world leaders or governmental figures. Let's take that and put it aside. Okay? In the, in the in the entertainment world, how many entertainers are, are 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 still held in such high regard decades, four decades after they're gone? 855-616-1620. That's where I want to start. Lisa, Gianni, Bill, and many others. Hang on the line. We will get to you. The text screen is firing up as well. Scott Warris in for Jeff on a Friday. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Couple other names are being thrown at me on, and I'm not looking for other names necessarily, but I'll just address Ken and Greendale texted in John Wayne. Now, I, I, I mean, I, I respect your opinion, Ken, but nobody's talking about John Wayne after. I mean, he he passed away in '79, so we're yeah, forty something. No, I, I don't think anybody thinks of John Wayne. And somebody says um, Michael Jackson, Prince. Whitney Houston. Okay, their legacies in the industry, you could argue maybe were comparable. But there's something more here. There's something more about John Lennon. And as somebody who never spent one day on this earth while he was also alive, you got to explain this one to me. 855-616-1620. Accident Mortgage Talk and text line. Let's go to the phones here. Let's start in Mequon. It's Lisa. Good afternoon, Lisa. Hey, Scott. How are you? I'm okay. So explain John Lennon. Why is he different than pretty much everybody else? Yeah, I was alive during that time, and I still am, um, due to uh, popular belief. But I think he created a cultural shift. And they started, and I think this will happen with Paul also, with Paul's passing. Um, but a, a cultural shift happened because of the Beatles. If you recall, or those of us who do recall, the early Beatles, it was a much more tap-down, um, puritanical society, I would imagine. And, um, and because of the Beatles and because of their work with um, – uh, the Indian, uh, I, I can't remember his name, but uh, bringing in 
influences of world music. Are you a thinking, shift Lisa, are, are you thinking of Ravi Shankar? Thank you. Well, okay. Ravi Shankar was the, um, the musician he worked with, but he also worked with uh, the Araja, if you recall, which is a prince, I suppose, but mm-hmm. um, just, just a, a mindset and a cultural shift happened. And also I think of the peace protests that he and Yoko engaged in. Um, it was a bed-in, and they spent this time naked in a hotel bed and let the press come in and document them. And it was a protest against the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal because celebrities didn't really do that. Okay, see, so I, much I, I, th- I think maybe that's part of it because uh, Lisa South, uh, Chuck from the South Side, texted in and said uh, Lennon was one, if not the first one, to speak for our generation. Also, the Beatles and Chuck also says Bob Dylan. They were the first to sing. Here's an interesting phrase. He says they were the first to sing about things. Interesting, and I completely concur with the Dylan reference yeah. too. That that same will happen with Bob when mm-hmm. he passes. Thanks, Lisa. So, thank you. Thank you. I, uh-huh. I appreciate it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Forty years later, we're he's in the news because this is the anniversary of his birth. Why there aren't a lot of celebrities, musicians specifically? that are held in that regard. And I have a feeling that it's more than the music. It's got to be more than the music. Uh, It's Gianni checking in. Hi, Gianni. Hi, Scott. Uh, uh, Interesting question. Great topic. Um, Look, look, um, I I think um, the politics aside, I think, and you can include Dylan and McCartney in this, I I think just the sheer unique of the the music that was produced by Lennon and McCartney um, is going to live on. The quality is so, so high. We haven't seen this, I mean, since Mozart and Bach. I mean, for an individual to create something that is so unique. I'm an amateur musician myself. I, I play multiple instruments, but I have created nothing. All I do is copy what, what those that have, have come before me. Um, where this creativity came from, I don't know. But it is very, very, very unique. Uh, almost like Thomas Edison you know, or, or Einstein, that type of brain that created this, this type of music that will live for 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 millennia in the future is is remarkable it's phenomenal that's why i think we we can celebrate uh mccartney and the beatles how do you how do you hear john lennon's music still today where does it manifest itself it manifests itself in the human brain in the ear it is so beautiful um a song like Strawberry Fields or, or Imagine or, or the the early Beatle music that McCart- Lennon and McCartney, you know, uh, got together and wrote um, sometimes probably in a, in a, in a room in, in, a, in, a, in less than an hour. Where does that come from? I mean, it is so unique and unusual for a human being to create such beauty, such uh, uh, melodious beauty. Sure. Uh, we. we we don't see this in, 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 in most human beings. I mean, like I said, I, I, I love music, but I have created nothing. And I know of no, no one in my life that, that is even remotely as creative 
I don't know where the music came from. Sure. I mean, it is really a, a mystery how how two people uh, over a span of ten years can create uh, such 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 beauty. Yeah, no, uh, I, it, I, it, I, it I, very, I appreciate unique, right? And I appreciate. Thanks for the call as always, Gianni. I appreciate your perspective from the music, but it's more than the. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I I take it as being more than more than music. It's more than music. I think. Yes? No? Anne in Pewaukee. Hi, Anne. Good afternoon. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. So what, uh, what is it about Lennon? Why are we still talking about him as great and as impactful, as groundbreaking a musician as he and the Beatles were? Why do we still talk about him? Well, for me, I'm uh, age 64. So uh, when the Beatles first came to uh, fame in the United States, you know, I was an eight-year-old girl. They were the known as the British Invasion. So I look at John Lennon, I look at the Beatles as um, their music, and John Lennon was is basically look at decades of American history, and you see the the uh, key parts of the time that are reflected in his music as part of, uh, you know, you saw him as a young person, there was the enthusiasm of adolescence when they were first here and they became popular. That shifted into social activism. Uh, there was a lot of reflection. The woman before I mentioned the, uh, you know, protests for the Vietnam War, but there was also awareness of uh, feminist movement, civil rights movement. Um, and again, when they came from Britain, they came from the height Ashbury, which uh, at the height of that, time there was a lot of uh, questioning and mm-hmm. unrest and I, I oh i think we we lost the aunt I, 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 yeah, we, we lost her there um there is something about the intersection right the moment in time i'm gathering from your comments and some of your texts that he came along the beatles came along the music came along with all those moments in our nation's history there's something else i think at play and some of you have brought it up on the text line and we'll share that next welcome back to jeff wagner on wtmj the one other and a lot of you have uh i think done a pretty good job of uh summarizing it there is one other element at play that I think plays a really, really significant role as to why John Lennon is still thought of the way he is all these years later. And for a generation of mine and those younger than me who, who never you know, lived on the earth the same time as Lennon, I think we can realize because of this, his legacy lives on as strong as it does. Eric in Port Washington. Hi, Eric. How you doing? Yeah, I think that uh, one of the biggest reasons that uh, that we're still talking about John Lennon is the fact that he was killed so tragically, and uh, which eliminated any possibility of the Beatles ever getting back together. Uh, there was rumors throughout the 1970s that you know maybe the Beatles were going to reunite, and uh, there was you know so much hope for that. And then when he was uh, when he was shot, um, that that yeah. ended that that uh, that dream. I think for a lot of people that this this could never happen, and I think that's 
uh, you know, had he lived, you know, to be, uh, you know, an older mm-hmm. uh, uh, adult and just died of natural causes, I don't think there would be as much of a of the shock factor that that went into it. I think you are exactly right. Thanks for the call, Eric. That that is the exact point that I wanted to make. That is the other variable at play. For all the other reasons that we've heard and and, and have seen on the text line, the fact that in his in death and how that happened by being shot and killed, that plays a big big role in how we think of someone henceforth it, it it's it's in essence a final tragic but a final chapter in the book that all of you have already described that was his life and his impact so and, and i'm not you know i'm i'm not on a on a limb saying that a text from the 262 says i'm 29 years old here i'm not a huge fan but he was very popular even at the time of his death and then the comment his death has a story attached to it I think that is part of it. You think about those who who are killed or assassinated, right? And the comment made by this 29-year-old texter, an interesting death story extends people's legacies. That abrupt, tragic end is a huge reason, I believe, why we're talking about John Lennon today He would have been 80 today. Let's say he would have lived to last year, and he dies at 79, a a quiet, peaceful death in his sleep. Then maybe the legacy is a little different, but the fact that I think a lot of people think he was taken away, obviously too young, and the way it happened, that is a big variable at play. I appreciate that. Thanks to everybody who weighed in across the age spectrum. Um, Because I was wondering, why, why? Why is this still a thing here and now? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, that was kind of, that was a very deep, it was a very insightful, dare I say deep half hour of radio. Can I take a complete 180 right now? What is the most superior of apples? Kyle, where do you come down in the great apple debate? I got into a debate with Mercure back in the office earlier, and I, I was enjoying a Macintosh apple. And I have, I have held for long, for a long time, Kyle, that the Macintosh is the, is the most superior of all apples. Now, when you tell me Macintosh, I can't even think of which one that is. Is that like the, uh, the shapely one, like the, like the Red Delicious? Very okay, like dark, no, red, dark red e- color. Don't even put a Macintosh in the same bushel. As a red delicious, first of all. Okay. Okay. Now, what do you mean? Was it a shapely apple? I don't it, know it, what the what the heck does a shapely apple. So, like, mean? my answer is is a is a gala, which is like sort of like a tomato shaped, right? Is it Short gala, round. gala, gala? Okay. I, I said, yeah. Is that? A, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying, right? Short, round, and it looks like almost like a tomato kind of shape, whereas mm-hmm. the red delicious is almost like on its own pedestal yes, kind of thing. That's true. No, this one would be like an in-between shape, I guess. I don't know. Oh, one of those weird hybrids, no, huh? because the Macintosh has the perfect balance of the sweet 
and the sour. It is it is a, an eruption of your taste buds in one bite, and it's usually very juicy. So you got some stuff spraying out, which is still, it can be a little bit uncomfortable for the person sitting in the cubicle next to you. Maybe you have plexiglass up. If not, it just, it, it's a great it's a great experience to eat a Macintosh apple. The Red Delicious is too hard. I find the Red Delicious, it, it's just, it can, it can be like a rock. Oh, I'm with you. That's you why, that's cut why your I brought gums it up. On I, it. I, I don't know, if anything affiliated with the Red Delicious put me out. But uh, I'll, I'll take a Gala or a Cortland, uh, something like that. Or like the Granny Smiths uh, on, a, on a, something in the morning. I feel like those, that cleans my teeth a little bit more better than other apples do, a Granny Smith. But a Granny Smith is a, is a, is a green apple, Oh, it's right? very tart, No, yeah. no, see, no, no. I don't have time for green apples. No, unless you're going to make maybe a pie or something. Are you going to use it for... I've heard that green apples are best for baking. That's the word on the street. That's yeah, the, you've been speaking that, with a that, lot of people about baking apples on the streets, well, huh? You don't know the streets where I hang. <laughs> uh, I will say this. Kaylee and I make apple stuff every single year, we, and we give it out to um, our, our family beer festival uh, that we have every year. Not your coworkers. But uh, okay. No, uh, but um, usually it's been <laughs> applesauce. That's their thing, and we use a lot of Cortland's for that, so I know we bought a lot of Cortland's this year. Uh, and then this year we also made turnovers. But what we read was that Granny Smith, unless if it's a very specific looking for that tart flavor like in a, in a turnover, something like that, you don't bake with them cause, because of that flavor. The text line is being pummeled with the honey crisps. Honey crisps. Honey crisps. Honey crisps. Hmm. Pink lady? There's a pink lady apple? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's one of the like more crisper ones, kind of like, a. I think, a Cortland. So he says Macintosh is the best for apple pie baking. Okay. Well, that I did not know. I'm just saying. I mean, do you think about, like, Red Delicious. We were joking back there as well. All the other names you can somehow just think, well, there must have been a, a little old lady named Smith, and she was a grandma, and she did, whatever. And How do you come up with a new apple anyway? When's the last time we had a new apple hit the market? Hmm? I mean, these names have been pretty much part of the lexicon and part of our diet for who knows since... i think it happens more often than you'd think a lot of like cross hybrid uh different breeding of, of, of the of the apples um but, so so then you think about the red delicious is there a more lazier is there a more cha- lazy name for an apple and incorrect they got to change that name yes it's well they are red it, it's more like a dark burgundy it's like a a burgundy what's a what's a what's what's a Something less than delicious. Tolerable. Hey, you know, I love the Burgundy Tolerables. <laughs> That's what I would call it. Oh, the Cortlands, the Ambrosias are coming in now on the text line. I don't know. I, I just, I'm telling you. I, I just think some of these apples can be a little mealy because the consistency of an apple is vital as well. Yeah, the taste is great, but if you're cutting your gums on, say, a Red Delicious or it's something that's very mealy and it's like mush once you bite into it. Now, I will say the Macintosh apple can cross into the mealy uh, realm quickly. If you don't eat that thing, if you just let it sit or you know store it for too long, then it gets mealy and, and the tartness will wear. But for my money, man, the Macintosh apple is great. Uh, Texter says... I've actually found new varieties of apples I haven't tried this year. Go to the farmer's market. Plus, you get good advice from the grower. Let's see. Um, oh, Mitch. 
Mitch from Sturgeon Bay, the latest hybrid apple. Look this up. See if this is true. He, it's called the Sweet Tango. Wow. Yeah. Sweet. Is there a description? Can you give me a description for the Sweet Tango apple? Anything there? Uh, it seems... Is, it says it's a brand. Uh, the Sweet Tango is the brand designation of the cultivated apple miniesca. Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's another word for it. Crossbreed between the Honeycrisp oh. and, and the Zestar apple. So if a Honeycrisp and a Zestar had a baby, we get the... The Sweet Tango. It's a trademark belongs to the University of Minnesota. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a brand name of apple. Oh, okay. It's its own special crossbreed, though. So, yeah, a texture just said the University of Minnesota has developed a few new apples. I I guess I hadn't realized that apples were something that are still in development. I mean, you, you'd think we've got a pretty good we got a pretty good swath of apples on the market and we're kind of set in the year 2020. But maybe there are some do you study? It's got to be some sort of agricultural degree. In- I mean, again, if I'm stuck with like Red Delicious, I'm going to see if I can, you know, engineer biologically anything that I can do to make that thing different because <laughs> it's not working. They may be red, but uh, Kyle and I both agree they are not delicious. Go Macintosh. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Apple breeding. Maybe that's what it is. It doesn't sound right. What do you do at the University of Minnesota? Well, I've got an advanced degree in apple breeding. 2020 has been a year of incredible uncertainty. Had you heard that? What can we possibly expect in the year ahead? We explore that question in a day-long forum designed to tackle the biggest issues that face us, the topics that matter most to you. So, tune in Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, all day, from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. for WTMJ 2021. The biggest stories with the biggest guests in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin, and beyond. WTMJ 2021 is presented by Annex Wealth Management and Professional Construction, Inc. Comes up Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, the 13th. Incidentally, uh, the keyword, if you want to check out our lineup, because things have pretty much been uh, set now, keyword set up uh, 2021. So if you text, it's not really a word. Text the number, I guess I could say that, text the number 2021 to 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Text 2021 to 855-616-1620. We will send you the rundown, the lineup, so you can set your listening schedule on Tuesday. After the... uh, one o'clock newscast. I do want to ask a question that I don't know if it if it just popped into my mind over the last week or so, but in light of the Officer Joseph Mensa decision by the District Attorney John Chisholm and what we have seen in the last couple days in Wauwatosa, there's a question that popped into my mind and it is another I guess example of of you know what an answer that I don't know, and and maybe you will have had the same question, and I don't know if, if we're going to be able to figure out the answer, but it is something that uh, that has left me wondering. 
So we'll get to that after 1 o'clock. Jeff is back on Monday. I am Scott. We'll have some fun in the 2 o'clock hour as well. I've got a question. I know Jeff normally 2 o'clock hour with the Pop Culture Corner. As I have said every time I fill in for him on a Friday, that is the uh, that is the proprietary what would you say, the proprietary uh, property of Jeff. So I can't go there. I cannot enter the pop culture corner. Not allowed. Don't have a key. Don't know the passcode. Anything like that. So we'll have a little Friday fun with a question tied to what uh, today is uh, one of those national days. So yesterday, watching the news conference, as this was actually shown to me. Eric showed this to me. Watching yesterday's news conference of... Um, of Gretchen Whitmer's in talking about that truly, would you just say bizarre, odd, crazy scheme to kidnap her, put her on trial? I mean, I don't even know where you start with unpacking that. Did you notice, did you notice how animated the signer was? Here, I don't know sign language, but I feel as if those who are signing are a lot more demonstrative than ever before. Is is am I the only one? Am I the only one who feels this way? I'm I'm serious. How many times? And we've seen a lot of it late when you have governors or local leaders addressing their state, their constituents related to COVID, related to a hurricane, related to something of importance. And there is somebody who is signing for the hearing impaired alongside, or they have them in the little side screen, right? Fine. Great. Good. Need to do it. Should do it. I don't remember the art of sign language. Being that, what would you say? I just hit the mic. That active, that demonstrative. Am I missing something or has something changed on that front? I'd like to talk to somebody who does sign language. I do. Can you tell me if that has changed? I mean, I'm talking about like facial. I'm doing it now, which doesn't do good on the radio. Facial expressions and 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 just the overall, what would you say, theatrics of it? To the point where it's almost, for those of us who don't need to watch the signer, I'm almost kind of distracted by it. I'll admit, I find myself watching the person signing more so than anybody who's speaking behind the podium. Am I totally crazy on this? You can tell me that. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. Now, remember, you know, sometimes it seems so over the top, so over the top that I almost think, is this for real? I mean, is this is this legit sign language that's being doled out here? There was that was during the Obama administration, right? Wasn't Obama? It was overseas on a trip, I believe. I'll look it up during the break. And. The nation that he was visiting, he was giving a speech on. I can still picture the stage. And the person who was signing ended up being phony and a fake. And then, obviously, the scandal, how could you let somebody this close to the President of the United States be you know, in a position where 
they're next to somebody doing something that shouldn't. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm crazy. But this is just something that I'm witnessing. So I, I would like to hear from somebody out there, more than one of you, that are, you know, experts in sign language. Maybe you do this for a living or you help out in circum- certain circumstances. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Just an observation I've made. I'm wondering if you've made the same observation. But these performances are just so elaborate and so, again, demonstrative I'm a little distracted by it. 855-616-1620. Okay, I'm not alone. Nobody can offer any, nobody willing to offer any, um, I gotta find somebody who's a, a sign language interpreter. Is that is that the right phrase? Is that the right title? But many of you have also noticed this. 920, you're not, you're not the only one. They look like nut jobs. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not looking to criticize what they're doing. I'm just wondering, it's just so demonstrative. It's just so animated. You know, I know it's supposed to be animated, Scott. If they stood there with their arms at their side, they would have been doing sign language. I know. I get that. Uh, Scott, it seems like ever since coronavirus hit, the signers are in the corner have be- having become very demonstrative. To the point that I'll snap pictures of their faces and send them to my friends asking, is this normal? (laughs) Okay. And then somebody actually did text us a rather interesting facial expression on on that of a signer. Um, I purposely watch them to see what happens when a politician or someone says something completely crazy or completely goes off script to sign or have to figure out what to do. And then a good text may have summed it all up. We are so easily distracted that during the fly incident the other night, I did not hear a word the vice president said. Yeah, you're not alone. I think every other American that was watching, same thing. Same, same thing. Absolutely the same thing. Okay, it was, thanks to one of you who reminded me, it was at Nelson Mandela's memorial in South Africa, where President, this was in December of 2013, where President Obama and other world leaders obviously were gathered in Johannesburg at a memorial for Mandela when they had a man standing right next to Obama and all these other world leaders appeared to do sign language, except if you are indeed deaf and need sign language and know sign language, you can read sign language, you knew he wasn't doing it. And of course, there was outrage not just among those in the deaf community, but also those who are concerned for the health and welfare of their president or their world leader. But watch, watch when we get the next Hurricane Delta update from Louisiana or any of the Gulf Coast communities. There's going to be somebody signing up there, right? Eric, you pointed this out to me yesterday, the Michigan one, uh, Whitmer's uh, sign language. She seemed oddly overly dramatic whenever she was speaking. A little bit over the top. Yeah. Like unnecessarily. Enough, almost so. scene stealing, if you will. See, that is a good... Yes, yes. I mean, if you that's why I wanted to talk to somebody who does it. Because you need to send the message, but you don't want to, yes, steal the moment from the president or, or the governor or the mayor or whoever it is that's speaking. Yeah. There's a dynamic there that you have to respect. 
Did you know? Expression. I did not know this. Did you know that sign language has like dialects? Like if uh, if someone is giving sign and you, uh, someone who can Don't. read that or can is this inter- a joke? No, I'm serious. Cool they can joke. understand. They, they can tell if you're from the south or you're from different parts of the country or the world. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Really? Yeah. Based on how you, sign? I guess, on how they sign. Yeah. So do we have a Wisconsin signing? I, probably, uh, I bet we do. I bet there is. Too much of the ah, big. Hey, big. Wisconsin. (laughs) How do you sign Wisconsin? Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. (laughs) Wow. Not funny. You're not funny. No, I just, I got another pelt on the wall. Yes. Billstead. Got him. See, I'm too easy, though. You are. That's, that's... I know you too well. I know what triggers you to break up. And let the record show I would never do that unless we get, or until you get to the the weather portion. Like, <laughs> okay, I, I would well, never, I we, we, we never, you you never want to do that during the news the actual portion. content that the, we're the, providing uh, yes. people. You know, yes. But it's 79 and sunny, and you're just going through that. Okay, we can kind of. I got rusty last night. I, really? Yes, yes. The normally stoic, really? composed, buttoned-up Rusty Melberg. You got him laughing on the air. Six o'clock, new, like right out of the gate last night. Six o'clock cast for the night show. Got him to crack up a little bit. What do you do? Are you like dancing around the studio? or No, he, he dropped a... It, it's one of those <laughs> things. You, you know what it is. Oh, man. You know what it is. And everybody can relate to this. It's it's like when you were a kid in church. And let's be honest, sometimes still when you're an adult. And something funny happens. You start laughing. Or maybe, maybe like in school and study hall or detention, you laugh. Then you get the kid next to you to laugh. Mm-hmm. And next thing oh, you know, yeah. you're laughing uncontrollably. You don't know why. Oh, when you remember why, that. you're like, no. it's not funny at all. Right, of course not. It never, it never, <laughs> I was awful about that. So that, I, uh, you know what? I bought, I believe it. I believe that you were, <laughs> you probably weren't the instigator, but no, like in no. this case, you were the one. If we could get Billstad going. <laughs> So then so it sets easy. off a chain reaction because now then I start laughing. That's what happened last night. Um, Rusty dropped a Soldier Stadium on us during the sports. <laughs> exactly. Were the, were the so then I, I started flailing my arm and I said Soldier Stadium, and then and then he let's see sports traffic so then he gave traffic and then we have like sometimes we have the little 10 or 15 second traffic sponsor so then we we hit the sponsor so now there's 15 seconds where i can look at him and i go soldier stadium he's like i know i know and i said what's next lambo coliseum (laughs) miller Fieldhouse." (laughs) so then the sponsorship ends oh man and now he's got to give the weather and that's where you started you to crack him. and break, and then I start laughing to the point where I then duck down because yeah, we have these computer worse, monitors. That makes it but worse. I, okay, good to know. I duck down. Then the producer, Pancake Hill, he's he was hiding because he lost it, 
And uh, yeah, that's a little Man, behind the scenes, but um, you have to dig into the archives and pull good. that audio. Oh yeah, well, uh, oh no, there's nothing good about this. Oh, no. What are you well, talking no, about? It, uh, for me, because I got you, <laughs> because I wanted to find a clip of me getting you a few months ago. Now I don't. I could just go back to the logger and <laughs> one o'clock today. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, who's the next victim? No, I don't do this intentionally. Well, I do sometimes, but people are six oh eight says good to hear the giggles. Yeah, when is the last time you had a good laugh? I thought this the other night. I thought, you know, a laugh where you, your side aches or your your facial muscles are sore because you've been laughing and smiling so, so intently. And I thought, it has been a while since I've just had one of those good laughs. Yeah, just hardcore belly laugh. Man alive. Face hurting, cackle. And that that feeling after you just like like you don't have a care in the world like you've had a load taken off your shoulder right after a good solid laugh this little endorphin kick yes almost, yeah. that's exactly what it is man <laughs> there haven't been enough let's I think we can I all just had one it felt great <laughs> you, was that it we we don't have enough good hearty belly laughs and my God have we needed a few of them here in 2020 right I don't know. Did you turn to think? I didn't ever have that. Did I have that moment in church? Was it in a Sunday school situation, or was I sitting up in the front of church with? I think like the the grade school was singing at church or something. And yeah, I remember the, the those moments where you just and it could be something stupid. And let's be honest, when you're a kid in grade school, everything silly is stupid now. Especially now after the fact, you think back. I remember getting a detention one. Like, I didn't get a lot of detentions. There's a shot. I didn't get a lot of, you know, detention or uh, what do they call them? Not a, I think not, not they're called pink slips. What did you get, Kyle? You know, if you got written up in grade school, what do you mean you shaking your head? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, I was a good student. I think you're thinking of like a suspension. No, 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 no. I was never suspended. Like, not high school. Go younger than high school. Did. Didn't you get like written up a slip? You got a slip. Was it? It wasn't pink. It wasn't a pink slip. We had in school suspension if you were to get in trouble. I, I don't think we even had like detention. I, that doesn't even sound. I didn't have detention in middle school or high school. Well, they had it. You just didn't get it. They had in school suspensions. From yeah, what we... are you being suspended then if you're staying in school? That's all. That's always my question. Whenever I hear in school suspension, I ask if you're in school and suspended. From what are you suspended? You're just uh, you're confined to one room with a, with a supervisor, and you have nothing but schoolwork. I mean, you're there to do schoolwork, and if you don't have schoolwork, then you just sit there and I don't know, not leave the room. I think that's detention. It's pretty much is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but that's we didn't have it, it, didn't call it detention. It was in school suspension. That's what uh, that's what we had in both middle school and high school. In middle school, grade school, whatever you want to call it, we had a punishment system whereby the teacher would write your name on the board. So let's say, Kyle, you were talking during a test or something, or you've just, the teacher said, Kyle, quiet, and said it too much. They would write your name on the board, like in the corner of the whiteboard. You'd write your name. They would, teacher would write your name. That was like warning one. Then, again, then you got a check mark after your name. That was strike two. 
so no punishment yet, but that was like, all right, you're warned. If you got if you got a second check mark, that's when it that's when it hit the fan. That's when it hit the fan. And that's when you would have to stay after school. That's what we had. This is just a stream of consciousness here, folks, so bear with me. Uh, feel free to stream along with me at 855-616-1620, Stream of Conscious Friday on the Wagner List Show. We would, yeah, that, that's what it was, and it worked. Does that stuff still work today? Does that stuff still work today? Uh, Jeff from Ingleside, Illinois. High school detention and grade school, they sent a note home with you, and a parent had to sign it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, was this what it was called? Michael in Greenfield. Hi, Michael. Hi, how you doing? What word was I looking for? Demerits and detention. Yeah, detention. What's the difference? What is a demerit? demerit? I know what detention is. Demerits were marks you got. If you got so many marks, you got detention. So I've heard I never had one. So the demerits were, yeah, of course, of course. We we are all speaking hypothetically here, Michael. Yeah, I'm innocent. So it was, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. A lot of you are texting it in as well. So demerits lead to detention. Yeah, just talk to Mary in Greenfield who say uh, who says demerits lead to detention. <laughs> yeah. 920, we had to sit at a bench at the principal's office. I was in brownies and was running and was sent there for about 10 minutes. It was awful. Plus, it was after school hours. Okay. Hmm. Assertive discipline is what it was called, somebody says. All right. Yeah, demerits, demerits. Everybody with demerits. Okay. 920 says they were pink slips for detention. Maybe it was a pink slip that we had in our grade school. Like I say, I remember getting only one or two during my career. And maybe it was, yeah. That's it. Isn't that amazing? Does that anything? Does any of that stuff still work now? I mean, we always hear you can't. Oh, the children of today—they're running wild in the classroom. I'm shaking my hand. Is that, uh, does any of that work? I mean, here and now, could do any teachers out there still write the name on the board? I'm gonna put your name on the board, and then if you get one check mark, oh, second check mark meant. Look out. It's I'm, go time. I'm glad you brought this approach back because does that even sound effective? <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. Is this like is this really helping our youth Scott's now? Scott's name is on the board now. Scott, your name is on the board. If you do it one more time, it'll still be all right. I'll put a I'll put a check mark next to your name. But you're getting closer. Yeah, you'll be one step closer, Scott. Does that work? What somebody tell me. So, so, or or if not, tell us what does work. What does work now? Like, what are the... I'm not looking for the extremes. Yes, I know kids get suspended and sent home and all that stuff. But what are those, what would you say, incremental warnings? Is that it? That lead up to the actual punishment. What happens in the classroom now? Let's do this. What the heck? Stream of Consciousness Friday. 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Yeah, like Kyle said. Does that really... Still work putting your name? Ooh, my name's on the board. Ooh, a check mark. Ooh, what are you going to do? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
Wagner out. Warris in on a Friday. Al in Milwaukee. Hi, Al. Hello. So what what exactly are the steps still used in schools today, the incremental punishment that leads up to the, or not, not, not incremental punishment, but the incremental warnings that lead up to the punishment? What is in use here and now? Well, well basically our school, and I'm not going to name it, but a parochial school, we use blue and green slips. So blue is for a minor violation, like you say, talking in class when you're not supposed to. And if you get enough blue slips, it leads up to a green slip, which could lead to a suspension. And basically what you need that for is because nowadays you need the documentation that, yes, we've counseled him five, ten times for, you know, disrupting a class or doing something. So then when you suspend them or expel them, you've got the documentation to back you up. So blue leads to green. Blue is, blue is minor. Yeah, sure. blue is minor can lead to green if you get enough blues. Okay. So in your school, in that particular district or that school itself, kids dread the green slip. The green slip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> that has to go home and get signed by the parent and... Mm. So that, you know, then they can say, well, the parent can't come back and say, we knew nothing about this. I suppose. Document- put the name on the board and they're going to erase the board. <laughs> yeah, I guess that that was the thing, too. Yeah, back in the day. Back in the oh God, I just used that phrase. Yeah. Oh, Lord. I didn't have whiteboard. I had chalk. <laughs> chalk, yeah, yeah. I was, see, I, I was at a very pivotal moment in our educational history. I was in school when it went from chalk to the whiteboard, to the marker board. Oh, you talk about a revolution in teaching and instructing children was when that chalkboard went away and those markers came and, and now you're and now you're teaching calculus or algebra using seven different colors. That changed that changed the entire education platform, Al. The entire thing was just never been the same since. Brian in Illinois. Hey Brian. Hello. All right, so the the uh, incremental warnings that led to punishment in your youth. They were pink slips. Pink. They were demerits. Pink, okay. And they were demerits. They were in triplicate. <laughs> <laughs> and um, That's true, they were in got, triplicate. If you, got, if you got so many, I went to a military academy. Mm-hmm. So if you got so many... And you were marching on the guard path on your Saturdays instead of doing whatever. Wow. And, um, but as far as suspensions, we didn't have suspension. I mean, if you were bad enough, you just got, thank you for your money. Oh. Go home. Oh. And, uh. Well, you don't um, mess around at the military academies. I mean, you, you, you there is a level of. There's a well, level of discipline and, and, and expectation. St. John's, yeah. You know, that that coming in, you know what you're getting into and, and what will be accepted and what won't be accepted. You know, I mean, I went AWOL my first semester there, and I got 10 hours on the guard path. and Ooh. 10 straight and hours just I'd, walking back and forth? Well, I mean, if you could do 10 hours in an afternoon, then okay, you did 10 hours, but... They'd go out, and you'd have to march it, and then it's like whatever you had left over, you had to go and wow. finish that off. Wow. But, uh, you know, it was as far as 
expulsions went and things like that, you had to do something pretty bad. Pretty bad, pretty bad. Thanks for the call, Brian. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Let's squeeze in one more here before the break. Dana in Milwaukee. Hi, Dana. Hi, Scott. Now, you're, you're going to reference something here, a 72. Other people have texted in, what is or was a 72? I got one once. What is it? So what I is kind it? of know. And it was a disciplinary action. It was, I was, we were acting up in class. I think I was in an English class. I think pretty much everybody in the class got one. And it was just you had, to, had a detention after school. I think it was on a green slip. I went to high school in the 70s. I think I'm a bit older than you. But I think anybody that went to school back then remembers a 72. You didn't want to get one. Why was it called a 72? I have no idea. Maybe that was the form number. I have no idea. I would really love to hear somebody explain why it was a 72. Maybe somebody that worked in a school back in the 70s can tell us. All right. (laughs) We'll throw that one out there. Thanks for the call, Dana. I'm sorry if we accidentally conjured back some bad memories of discipline in the school system. Seven. Somebody said back in the 70s in MPS, texter, we had 72 cards. Too many, you were suspended. So what does that mean? You get 71 warnings, and on the 72nd one, suspension. Somebody tell us. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Somebody was opening a opening a, a door. Okay, Kyle, somebody called up. They they told us what a 72 is in reference to. Uh, yeah, so 72 references 72 hours, a three-day suspension from school. Oh, okay. That makes sense. There you go. What about you? Did you ever, uh, back in the day... Even no. at one time, did you get did you get a demerit? Did you get a detention? No, seventy two, <laughs> seventy two. No, they were called pink slips. But yeah, no, pink. I always had. You know, I I took a lot of art classes, and I was really really fond of my art teacher, who passed away. But he uh, would always threaten if I sat on a desk that I would get a detention, and so I would sit on a desk and say, "Hey, you know," and then I would never get a detention. It was a joke. Wait a but, minute. Yeah. So you you. I, I would. You were provoke. daring. I would provoke. Yes. The teacher. <laughs> yes, in high school. Well, that doesn't know, sound I, good I, at it all. Doesn't sound good. Does that sound like me? Oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Get off that desk, Barclay. Oh, you mean like or, this? Or we're gonna make it like this? Yeah. Like yeah. This? What oh. are you gonna do? Huh? What are you gonna do? Yeah. Well, that's huh? you know. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. Hmm. Wow. I didn't. Wow, that's pretty bold. I wasn't gonna <laughs> guess that. I'm a teacher in Port Washington. Somebody says usually a student gets a written referral. That sounds like a positive thing. Oh, oh a written referral. referral for you. Then they need to have a talk with the teacher and administrator and parents are contacted. Okay. 262, it varies. If there are several warnings and contacts, they may get suspended. If not too serious, a detention. If serious, it is a suspension. So a lot of the stuff you would assume. Teresa says, we had monitors that stood by the restroom during lunch break in grade school and said that we couldn't go use the toilet. Ooh. What? A lot of accidents, she says. Apparently, oh, they wanted students to hurry up and go eat lunch. It's like a bathroom monitor. <laughs> okay. Um, Six oh eight says it was a pink slip that was called a tap. Teacher and parent notice. Notice was sent home with the nature of the violation, and parents had to sign for student to return. Interesting. Interesting. Now Southside Chuck says, yeah, the seventy two card was the form number. If you got three of them, there's the point that Kyle made. 
three days, 72 hours, it's a 72. And finally, write what you did on the blackboard and how you wouldn't do it again. We had to do that in grade school. Oh, so wow, sentences. No. Hmm. Remember being punishment? We, we didn't touch on the sentences. So I was like Bart the- Simpson at the beginning of... Uh, Simpsons. Yeah, I was always the person that talked too much in class, so no, teachers no, would always really be, Melissa. Melissa Barclay, the I one remember, talking too much in class. I remember being in, this is a Shocker. early memory, in kindergarten, <laughs> I remember the teacher saying to me, I have eyes in the back of my head, Melissa, you need to stop talking. And I, I remember thinking, she doesn't have eyes in the back of her head, but you know, as a five-year-old, that's what you think. It's like, wait, that's not wow. right. And then you went on to high school and I you just kept going. Yeah. Just dared teachers to, to uh, discipline. <laughs> but you. I did it in a nice way. So. Pretty bold. Mm-hmm. Pretty bold. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. People are sending in pictures of their car thermometers 80 degrees, 80 degrees, 80 degrees. But I don't think that that's official. That, that, that isn't official. So, anyway. That to be determined on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. This is the Jeff Wagnerless program on a Friday. Jeff will be back on Monday. I am Scott. Okay. Obviously, we have seen what has unfolded in Wauwatosa the last several days, nights to be specific, after John Chisholm decided and uh, that the evidence was not there to bring charges against Officer Tosa Officer Mensa, Joseph Mensa, in the death of Alvin Cole. Okay. We've, we're aware of the circumstances. We're aware of the debate over was Mensa right to act as he did. We were able to read the, the um, decision, the lengthy decision, an explanation for the decision by the district attorney. And Jeff has covered that at length. And you guys have had a great discussion the last several days in reaction to it. Here's the question that I've had, and I haven't heard it discussed but I'm going to put it in front of us right now for a few minutes. 855-616-1620. In light of the fact that Joseph Mensa, in the last five years, so he's been a member of the Tosa Police Department for five or six years, but in the last five years, he has shot and killed Jay Anderson Jr. back in 2016, Antonio Gonzalez, back in 2015, and now Alvin Cole, here in 20, was that early 2020, late 2019? My question is, while all three have now, after being thoroughly investigated, all three have been deemed justified, I'm not looking to debate whether there was justification or not, my question is, if you're Joseph Mensah, why would you still want to be a cop? We know of the psychological toll that police, law enforcement, but specifically here, police officers go through in their jobs. The stress... To think, here's what has been going on in my mind. So just react to this, if, if you would. If I had taken the life of three people, justified though it may be, may have been, could I still be a cop? Could I still 
put on the badge, go do my job, knowing that in the last five years, I've taken three lives. Have you considered that? Why do you think, put yourself, here's what I'll ask, put yourself in the shoes of Joseph Mensah. Could you still, would you still, want to be in law enforcement? Could you see yourself still being a police officer? Having this in your past? And again, not debating whether it was justified or not. The facts have been the facts. The decisions have been rendered. All three justified. Set that aside. I could not do it. I couldn't. I I don't even know where to start. Maybe it gives us insight as to how those in law enforcement who choose that as a career path, how they're wired, maybe the, the strength emotionally, psychologically, but from a purely mental, purely psychological perspective, I don't know how he does it. I don't know why he would want to do it. I wouldn't. I couldn't. 855-616-1620. I know this is is a little bit of a heavy lifting and, and kind of deep on this one, but it's something that struck me the other day. Why in the world would I still want to be a cop knowing that I've taken three lives in my career as a law enforcement official? For me, that would weigh on me so heavily that I don't know that I would have the strength to carry on and still be in that role, still working for the department in which I work, still carrying out the duties in the position that I was carrying out when I shot and killed three people. I couldn't do it. 855-616-1620. Why would Joseph Mensah still want to be a police officer? That's the question after all this. Why? Your reaction, your thoughts. I'll leave it open-ended if that helps. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Scott Worris in for Jeff. Maybe I'm the only one who's had this question rattle around in their mind. But the debate has been, should Mensa be fired? Should the department keep him on staff? Should, should, should. And I don't know, one day it just hit me, why would he? Why would he still want to be a cop, knowing simply the the psychological impact of shooting and killing three people. I, I, I can't imagine. I can't. And maybe that speaks to, you know, the type of person who goes into law enforcement. Somebody uh, alluded to that on the uh, text screen. For many of us, from the 414, It's hard to shut off that emotion, but for people who choose to be police officers, I believe it's quite easy to do that. They go on. You have to turn off your emotion in tense situations, whether that's shootings or decisions in your life. I believe Officer Mensa has turned off that emotional switch 
in both his career as a police officer and his decision to remain a police officer. And I realize we're doing some some amateur psychoanalysis here. I don't have a degree in it or anything, so it's all just... But I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do that. Uh, let's go to Nasita. Let's talk to Jim. Hey there, Jim. Hi. Yep, I'm working on a shed between Nasita and Adam's friendship, so listening to you as always. Thank you. Um, yep, you're welcome. You know, I I feel really sad for him um, because it's, you know, a, a rare occasion that an officer has to even draw his weapon, much less discharge it at a fellow human being. And, you know, with that, I think that, Maybe he could be a different in a different capacity. Um, I don't think that firing him would be appropriate if the shooting was deemed justified. So if he wanted to go, well, then by all means he could go. But I mean, if he wanted to stay, I would think that they should be doing everything they can to help him out. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I can't imagine. And again, I, I'm, I'm kind of coming at it, Jim, from the why would, if, if I was Mensa, if I was, or, or any officer, if I was a police officer who found himself in a position three times in my career, let alone a five-year span, where I had to discharge my weapon and ultimately the person to which it was discharged died because of it, I don't know, I would want out. I would say... Man, I, 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 I can't. Awful, I can't handle this. That's some awful bad luck. I mean, oh. I mean, most people, like I said, don't get to that in their right. whole career. Right. You that's hear from officers. Free. You hear from officers who oh, go man. their whole careers and they never have to yep. discharge their weapon. You know, in 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 dealing with uh, a citizen or or a call or something like that. And and the fact it's happened in five years is just. It's just a, a a remarkable a remarkable um, what would you say statistic for lack of a better term. I think I think it's also um, one of those things like the texter said. I think it was um, that you do somewhat become hardened, um, but I don't know that you can ever get that hard. Thanks, Jim. You know, after three times. Appreciate yep, it. Thank day. you, buddy. Bye. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and a lot of you, um, you know, on the text line as well. We should be grateful. Texter says for people who are mentally strong enough to do this type of work. I guess maybe that that is what it comes down to. And and I know that. I think we all recognize that. For those of you who have entered law enforcement, there is a that's a certain type of of um, mental strength and you know you're maybe you have to to the one texter to turn off the emotion of the moment and some people can do that and some people can't and that's why we all look we all as human beings have different characteristics and traits and oftentimes those traits and those qualities guide us in our decision making and lead us down a specific career path right that's why i'm doing this for a living and other people are police officers and other people are uh, are running for public office. They want to be presidents and things like that. It all, usually, the career you're in is because of the 
characteristics you have as a human being. And clearly, I don't have those characteristics. That's why I didn't go into a career in law enforcement. And that might very well be why I sit back and go, if I was, if I was a police officer, anybody in law enforcement, and some of you made the good point about military. In, in war, you take lives. And how does that impact you going forward? It's been well chronicled, PTSD, right? But there's a similar mindset there where you have to just turn it off in that moment. And I, for one, can only imagine what that must be like. I mean, (laughs) come on. You going to change Washington? Washington's going to change you? Come on. We're kidding here. (laughs) I mean, there are over... I realize that every political ad has hyperbole in it. I understand that. They're all hyperbolic in one way, shape, or form. But that's just a little... That's just a little bit much. A little bit too sweet. It's like when you... When you have that uh, piece of cake and the frosting, it's, it's just a little bit much, just a little bit too strong. Well, can we all agree on that? I think even his staunchest supporters might agree to that. Okay. I appreciate everybody who weighed in on that one. Um, it, it, it's a lot to unpack. Just a thought that has gone through my mind, and and people are, um, some are very, you know, sympathetic with the mindset and, and the mental toll that this is taking on Mensa, uh, Officer Mensa. And yet, um, as some of you have said, he, he wants to forge ahead in his career. And it'll, it'll be remarkable to see how he does that and, uh, again, speaks to the mindset and a, uh, you know, from a psychological standpoint of, of something that I clearly don't have. And many, many people do. And that's why those people enter certain professions as they do. After the news with Melissa in just a couple of minutes. Lighter fare, Friday, normally the pop culture corner-ish hour. And uh, I noticed today that it's International Beer and Pizza Day. And while I am a creature of habit, I can find myself pretty much relying on the same one or two, maybe three at the most, pizzas, my go-to pizzas. Every once in a while, it's to step back and expand new horizons, right? So we'll do that. We'll have a little fun. We'll do a little uh, pizza talk. Is that something we could do? Sure, it is. Why not? Why not? It's Friday, 2 o'clock. It's almost 80 degrees. That's how we're going to roll in the next hour. After the news with Melissa on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Happy International Beer and Pizza Day. Today celebrates the combination of the two. It's a pretty good combination. It's a great combo. As food and drink go. You can't go wrong. So it's right up there. So Kyle and I were discussing (laughs) during the break. I intended to go, give me your go-to pizza place. But then he throws me a curveball and he says, do you enjoy crazy toppings on your pizza? Kyle, I have one word, gross. I can't. (laughs) I don't. I never have. I have some sort of psychological it's a block block a wall between my mind and my mouth my mind <laughs> and my taste buds hmm. any even the the thought of for example a very popular uh topping like a barbecue chicken pizza Ooh, that sounds good even the mac and cheese pizza 
which are also popular. I can't do it. I can't. There's something about the non, what we will call non-traditional toppings that I just, I can't get there in my mind or make my mind convince my taste buds that it's actually good. So no, I'm a hard pass on anything beyond what you would consider a traditional topping, sausage, uh, pepperoni, onions, mushrooms, you know, green pepper, the normal stuff. I can't do it, We man. could just put a whole bunch of cheese on it and give it to you, say it's cheese, and then have all the other stuff underneath. No, that doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, it, it's, I'd still taste you. it, and mm-hmm. now I, I, I just I can't do it. But And then you're on the other side of the spectrum completely, it sounds like. Yeah, Kaylee and I, uh, Thursday night is typically our pizza night. We, If you go to a, a grocery store, you can buy what's called naan, which is like a flatbread. We have a naan bread. Mm. Yeah, and, and it usually comes in a pack of two, and it's like the perfect size yeah, for great. like a personal pizza that you would make at home. And one of the main things that we always throw on our pizzas, if we have it, is broccoli. Um, so we- Okay, let me just ask. So you obviously, you cook the, I mean, you, you bake the broccoli, as it were. So when it comes out, it's not at all crisp anymore. Isn't it just mushy? No, 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 no. That's if you include water in in any of it. If you just bake broccoli on a on a baking pan by itself, it's not, it doesn't become mushy. It becomes mushy if you leave it in okay, there for so, too long. So at first I thought no, but now once you're talking about it, it might be okay. So usually uh, stuff that we typically throw on, we don't buy pepperoni from the store. We'll buy prosciutto. Something like that. Turkey roni. We'll throw spinach or usually arugula. We usually like to use arugula more uh, on it. Um, One other thing that we do is uh, every summer at the farmer's market, we'll buy those bushes that have the really small, like, spicy red chilies in them, and you use them for uh, crushed red pepper, right? Uh, And we mix that in with honey, and it becomes like a spicy honey. And when when the pizza comes out of the oven, you drizzle some of that spicy honey on there, and you get a little extra heat. And some sweetness, too. Okay, side note on the honey. It's funny you say that, because just within the last couple of months, I I don't know if maybe it was when we were all you know in quarantine and it was food hacks and things like that. I, I saw how honey on top of a pizza is good, uh, really good, a great look. Now, how much? Is it just a drizzle? Yeah, if you're not careful, it'll get... <laughs> It'll yeah. get really yeah. messy, and you're not gonna you're not gonna enjoy it. It'll it'll ruin it uh, by the, the the flavor of the honey, and also just how sticky it is. So you got to be careful. All right, so let's just throw this open for a nice uh, fun Friday topic here at eight five five six one six one six twenty. The craziest, how would I say that? Or the most exotic, the most extravagant pizza topping that you've heard and more interestingly if you, if you've if you've consumed it it's one thing if yeah i once heard about a guy that no if you've actually eaten it or ask for it or enjoy it and it's out there and i look compared to what i like on my pizza everything is going to be out there Kyle's a little bit more out there but there's some crazy stuff Joe from South Milwaukee says the Hawaiian style barbecue sauce on the pizza is delicious no, see, I, I can't get there. If if my taste buds are going to be right, if my mind is going to enjoy it as much as my mouth will, I just need pizza sauce. What do you do for sauce? Regular sauce? Uh, well, green uh, pesto. Pesto is usually our stuff. Uh, any kind of garlic, pesto, or um, 
or basil pesto. We'll do a red sauce if we need to. Um, but I'll, I'll give you another example. One of my uh, one of my best friends is uh, <laughs> a crazy Italian that makes a lot of pizzas and pastas hey, and stuff. What are yeah. you talking about? Something that he always throws in. It's always prosciutto, artichoke, and uh, pepperoncinis. He always loves pe- pepperoncini is like his big thing. So that's uh, th- there. There are crazier <laughs> toppings than just saying something like anchovies. I feel like that's uh, that's usually the go-to. That's the go-to extreme yeah. topping, and that's too rich for my blood. But hey, anchovies? <laughs> yeah. I will say I actually haven't had anchovies in general, not on a pizza or ever. So maybe it, maybe it's not that bad. I love this. Four one four texter says, "I am thoroughly disgusted by Kyle's toppings and pizza." Wow. You. All right. Let's see here. Uh, okay, so 855-616-1620. Give me your crazy pizza topping, and I will mock you for it because it's disgusting. 414 says, uh, 100% agree with you, Scott. A pizza should be a pizza, which means crust, marinara, or any kind of tomato sauce, cheese, and toppings. Once you start adding things like barbecue sauce and macaroni and cheese, it is no longer a pizza. Look, I don't want to go down the... What makes a sandwich a sandwich is a hot dog a sandwich debate, but it sounds like we could do that with pizza. I don't know that I want to. So here we go, 855-616-1620. Some of us are getting hungry anyway. It's a Friday afternoon. The craziest topping on a pizza that you have ever consumed. Let's see who can. We'll play a little game of one-upsmanship here. Who can top whom? Ha! See what I did there? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Kyle asked me during the break, so what exactly is the most extravagant topping you would have? Pineapple. That's about as wild as I get, man. Pineapple is about as wild as I get, and I don't want it with ham. I don't want it with Canadian bacon. I don't like Canadian bacon. I remember trying Canadian bacon as a kid and just being meh. No, not good. All right, let's see. Let's see if we can... How how extravagant are you out there when it comes to your pizza toppings on this international... Internet, just not national, international beer and pizza day. The globe, the planet coming together to celebrate the meeting of beer and pizza on October 9th. Here we go. Let's start in Tosa. Let's talk to Jerry. Hey, Jer. Hey, how's it going? All right, how extravagant do you get? Uh, I'd say pineapple, but the worst pizza I ever had, someone ordered, was fig. Oh, we dropped. just disgusting. Okay, you're breaking up, but I'll pass on you. You said fig and goat cheese. His phone wasn't good there. So I'm going to put that. Okay, so we have fig and goat cheese. That's how we start. Fig and goat cheese. 855 Where are you on fig and goat cheese, Mr. Extravagant? Uh, I'm not, I can't say what I anything on figs, but goat cheese is nice, yeah. You're going to be my thumbs up, thumbs down when it comes to the crazy stuff. Dennis in Mount Pleasant. Hi there, Dennis. Hi, how are you? What you got for us? Uh, a bar that I frequented in Oshkosh um, made a pizza, and instead of putting sauce on it, he spread the crust with peanut butter and then he put the pizza on top of that and nobody he put it on the bar if it was up for grabs and nobody would eat it and along came a pregnant girl and she took a piece of it and she says why this is delicious 
I didn't try it. <laughs> you didn't. Okay. I was going to say, all right. Uh, okay. Well, you know, they, there are the cravings during a pregnancy. So peanut butter. I'm going to put that on the list. Peanut butter. Okay. There we go. Andy in Muskego. Hi, Andy. Hello. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. All right. Yeah, driver. I'm walking short now. Anyway, uh, yeah, it was a regular pizza. It was a nice crust, good sauce, uh, cheese going on it. And then you know what they did? And there wasn't enough beer to wash this down. Mm-hmm. But graham crackers, marshmallow, chocolate, more graham crackers. So it was a s'mores situation, a s'mores pizza. More or less, yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't or hasn't like Domino's or Pizza Hut or one of the big chains, haven't they had a s'mores pizza as a dessert pizza in the past? I don't know where they got the idea from. I really said, well, I, I wish I, or I never wanted to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Thanks for the call, Andy. I appreciate it. I can imagine a pizza not a real pizza but something made with like a chocolate sauce but what he just described is marinara yeah like (laughs) you start with the regular base of the pizza and then start smoring it up it sounds like a disaster now i've I've had like uh, a nutella calzone something like that you know like a like it would it's a dessert you would (laughs) what's for this little nutella calzone Uh, let's get back to calls Yes. If, if somebody said, who is one person at Radio City, New- uh, Kyle, Nutella Calzone, I would have nailed that. All right, Mike, cut a hay. Go ahead, bud. Yeah, I just, uh, no, it will get mentioned, but then, hi, guys. Uh, Tabasco, that's more of a seasoning than a topping. Mm. Uh, Tabasco's great. Frank's uh, saucer puts, puts that blank on everything. Sure. And the weirdest topping is uh, there's a seasoning that you get if you order sashimi or sushi called wasabi. Oh, yeah, wasabi, yeah. Radish, and it's green, and it's hot, hot, hot. Oof. And uh, that's, that's the strangest topping I've seen. So, wow. Thanks, All right, guys. thanks, buddy. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. You know, to the Tabasco point, uh, I know somebody who will, he'll buy, like, one of those frozen pizzas, and then he just loves the Tabasco sauce, and he'll douse the frozen pizza with Tabasco sauce and then bake it. So then it's all kind of baked in. I don't know. I know some people can handle the the hot, the spicy. I, I can't do that either. A, a very delicate palate, as we like to say. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Tell you what, um, real quickly, before we go back to the phones, text some real quick ones here. Chicken heart pizza. Had that in Brazil, they say. Chicken heart pizza. Chicken hearts, okay. Uh, at one place, they had pineapple and sauerkraut as toppings. Okay, this turns my stomach. The, the concept of chicken Alfredo pizza. Here's why. I cannot... My, my stomach kind of gets queasy thinking of Alfredo sauce in any other context other than on a pasta. Otherwise, that's just a... No, no, this is wrong and bad. Somebody says, I always put peanut butter on my pizza. Pizza with cucumbers, shrimp and spinach with white sauce. Ugh. I mean, put it on, you know, pasta and knock yourself out. I'll have that too, but not on pizza. Sauerkraut and sausage. Homemade brat and bacon pizza. Popular in Australia, they consider pumpkin sweet potato, 
Tried a recipe with this, adding brown sugar and garlic butter crust. It's okay, not a sweet potato fan. How are you not a... Who isn't a fan of sweet potato? Philly cheesesteak pizza from Domino's is awesome. No, no, it's not. Rattlesnake pizza. I had that in the Army when I was in Texas. Wow, this is... I don't know. I don't know, you guys. Christine and Jackson. Hi, Christine. Hi. You just hit on one, but not from Domino's. Philly cheesesteak pizza with beer cheese instead of a red sauce, shaved beef with peppers and onions and more cheese on a crispy, thin crust. I know a place, and it's delicious, and I am a traditionalist. I'm cheese, sausage, mushroom, onion. Most of the time, but then I tried this, and it's fantastic. Hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? It is. What? What is it you enjoy about having it in pizza form rather than sandwich form? Um, just wanted to try something different in the pizza world, and and it was so good. I love Philly cheese steak sandwich. Sure. But you got to try the pizza with the beer cheese sauce. It's so good. All right. Thank you, Christine. Thank you so much. Doug in Kenosha. Hey, Doug. Hey, how you doing? Okay, what do you got? I can go on for hours. <laughs> I can go on for hours about this subject, but one of the things I like, frozen pizza with sauerkraut and sweet corn on that's so, that's like my go-to when I get home. If we ever have the that stuff at home, that's what I put on my pizza. Now, Just a little extra cheese. Will that's you my, make so so you'll you'll make the pizza from scratch, or at least you have the dough, and then you just pile all this stuff on? You're saying? No, I'll just get a frozen pizza, like a oh. regular frozen pizza, oh. uh, any kind of the batter, and uh, the the sauerkraut, sweet corn. But then again, I eat just about anything, so <laughs> okay. it is what it is. There you go. That is an important caveat. Thanks, Doug. Let's get one more here because this enters a different realm, and I would say a realm that I might I might entertain. Katrina, go ahead. Yeah, we were visiting uh, some family in France, and they had us over to their house, and they ordered pizza for us. And one of them had eggs and raclette cheese, which if you know raclette, it's like a very stinky, That's a pungent, yeah, cheese. stinky cheese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And this was in France, they you like, said? Yeah, they had like sunny side up eggs on it. Oh. And it, it, was it a breakfast pizza or, or was it? Nope. No, nope, oh. it was dinner time. It was dinner yeah, time. This is just like one of their specialties. They were very excited to order it for us. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Somebody, thanks, Katrina. Appreciate that. Somebody on the text line did say, I got to find it here. They did have an interesting pizza selection when they were, I think it was, they were in Paris. I got to find it here. We've had a lot of texts come in. And then somebody is saying, I dip mine in ketchup. What are you doing? I mean, look, I realize ketchup can solve a lot of the world's culinary ills, but if you're going to go through the trouble of Making a pizza, even if it has these crazy things on it, and then you're just going to dunk it in ketchup. Ketchup just, I mean, it, it, and sometimes you want to mask flavors, but if you're adding all, doing all that work to make a pizza with all these unique flavors, I don't know if you want to be dousing it in ketchup. What about you, Melissa? What about ranch? 
Do you like no, ranch and pizza? No, yeah. Nope. Nope. So no. you're asking no, give me, me my give favorite me type of pizza? Red sauce. Give me my red sauce. And, yeah. Well, you, you said at the top that you're pretty traditional. I'm pretty traditional. You know, I, I think my favorite, and this is super boring, it's a good sausage mushroom pizza with good cheese. You're a wild woman. <laughs> you know, She's wild. But I, but I do, I do like um, the chicken Alfredo pizza. That's a good one. Chicken so, Alfredo. You know, every once a, in a while, there's a couple other people voting for the cheeseburger pizza. Like that has become a thing. I would say the cheeseburger pizza, mac and cheese yeah. pizza, mm-hmm. and the barbecue chicken pizza. I do like barbecue those chicken, three. Yeah. When it comes to the what we would call gimmick pizzas, that's a good word would for it. Gimmick do... pizza. Those have just become very popular. Maybe not more so at home, but you know, at restaurants or at some of these uh, pizza places because they're looking to give up more options. But I'm a. What passer. about Hawaiian? Do you like Hawaiian? No, I said before. Oh, I'll go as far it? as pineapple. Okay. That's about as exotic as I'm going to get. Hmm. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. I'm going to see if I can find that Parisian text that we got in because I, I like that eggs one though. That one kind of sounds good. See, I could do a breakfast pizza. Mm-hmm. I think I could, because the tomato sauce. I don't know. Well, we'll work on it. But now people are hungry. You're okay. <laughs> You're welcome for that. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Before the week is up, we remind you that this week's sponsor for Wagner's Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is Serta Pro Painters. You can visit them online at certapro.com. Serta with a C. Kyle, Kyle, peppering me with questions during the break. What about this? Why don't you like this? What about this? What about that? What about this? No, you asked me about sushi. Nope, can't do, can't do it. Not gonna do it. Can't do sushi. The texture, texture. I, I just, I uh, just, nah, can't. I tried it. I have tried it. I just wonder. Like, it seems like your taste in pizza seems a little bit. Traditional, yeah, traditional, boring, dull. I was going to say basic, but that, that, that can have negative connotations. But I want to see <laughs> if, if your taste buds explore other areas. Um, I will say, you know what's interesting when I was about texture. I'm a big fan of Andrew Zimmern. Zimmern, Andrew Zimmern, right? I don't know if he still has that show. Which is now escaping me. What is it? Bizarre Foods. He's had a lot of them. Yeah, he's he's not doing that one anymore. Yeah, I was going to say he's had a lot. He does a lot. But Bizarre Foods was kind of his big takeoff. I would watch that. Still do if you can catch it. He's getting too... You know what? Okay, side note. Andrew Zimmern. I feel Andrew Zimmern is trying to fill the void left by the, um, the passing, the surprising passing of... The guy who's so famous that I'm forgetting his name now, uh, Bourdain, Anthony, Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain, yeah. I feel like him and Gordon Ramsay, because Gordon Ramsay now has this other show where he goes, he, he cooks around the world by exploring cultures and people and things like that. I don't know. I feel like Zimmer and Ramsay are trying to rush in and fill the void, that unique void that Anthony Bourdain left when he passed away in that culinary cultural cross section of. Of television, for example. At any rate, I digress. Andrew Zimmer, he you know, so for all the food that he ate on Bizarre Foods, some of the most seemingly repulsive things, crazy thing. He tries everything to his credit. He tries everything. But I remember one episode, or maybe he was doing an interview, and he was asked, "What is the one food you, even you, Andrew Zimmer, cannot eat because you don't like it or whatever?" Guess what it was? Walnuts. Andrew Zimmern 
the man who eats everything, cannot stomach walnuts. And he said it was simply because of the texture of walnuts. Isn't that the craziest thing? Of everything he consumes, walnuts is the one thing he doesn't like and can't consume. Yeah, see, I would say effort. Too much effort. I got a buddy that, that buys all the like fancy nuts and has the nutcracker during the holiday season, and it takes 30 seconds just to, like, and the man strength that you need just to crack those things That's open. That's true. Yeah, you, you know, you're right. And I would say the same thing on a maybe a, little, a, a smaller scale with uh, pistachios. Pistachios. Something that takes the time, the effort. I think it tastes better. I mean, is there anything good than a than a good pistachio after you spent the last three minutes chipping your nails and bending back your nails and trying to get your fingernail in the crack of the shell so you can and then you and then the tips of your fingers are sore for like an hour after you're done eating pistachios. But when you've successfully opened a pistachio, it tastes better because of the work it's taken to get to the sweet, sweet inner nut. 2.42. Let's make a little time for... Great Scott! I don't know if you want to feel sorry for this particular teenager in Pasco County. But a teenager got stuck in a storm drain Wednesday after... You want to guess... What happened that would get them stuck in a storm drain? What do you think they dropped? Yep. Their cell phone. Teenager drops a cell phone. Who's this? Uh, let's see. Pasco County, Texas. A teen got stuck in a storm drain Wednesday after they dropped their cell phone and tried to retrieve it. <laughs> Firefighters said they were called to the scene for a, quote, technical rescue the teen had dropped their cell phone into a storm drain while walking home from the bus stop. Then they removed the manhole cover, climbed in, and then got stuck. Firefighters arrived and helped the teen out of the drain. The teen was stuck for about an hour. Not exactly a baby Jessica situation here, but, you know, this is as close as we can get in the era of cell phones. No one was injured. That's the good news. Firefighters were able to extricate the teen from the storm drain, cleaned them off, Check the drain for hazardous gases and turn the teen over to their parents. We are thankful there were no injuries. My question is, do you know how hard it would be to drop your phone and have it go exactly into a little, you know, a little gap in a storm drain? And that's where it falls and couldn't do it if you tried. Right, Scott! All right. Check your phone right now. Speaking of which, check your phone. Have you gotten any texts from a local campaign or maybe a national campaign? With Election Day less than a month away, campaigners are ramping up the number of political texts going on. Side note, I'd rather get the text than the call, at least. It just is a little less obtrusive for me. Not that I even answer the the calls for Election Day, right? So, you're getting your ads. They're swarming your every dimension of your life. But there's no do-not-text registry like there is about calls, right? However, did you know there's still a way you can attempt to stop political ads from bombarding your phone? Here's how you stop the texts. It's actually a pretty pretty basic uh, uh, solution, maybe. Usually when you receive a political text message, you can opt out. You may see a message in the text body like reply stop or unsubscribe to stop receiving messages. But before responding, experts say make sure it's a legitimate campaign number and not a scammer. Because if you reply to a scam, it lets the sender know your number is active you may have to text stop 
multiple times if several political campaign people are reaching out to you from different numbers. So is this a be-all, end-all, you know, one, one fix for all the issues? No, but give this a try. Next time you get a political text to your phone, simply text STOP in all caps. See where that gets you. It won't hurt. And after all, the election's less than a month away. But it's something to remember. Right, Scott! And last but not least, all you dog lovers out there, I know there are many of you. I hate to break it to you, but a new study in the Journal of Neuroscience says dogs aren't wired to focus on human faces. Ha, ha, ha. Doesn't care. Doesn't care what's going on up here. I'm pointing to my face. Dogs aren't wired to focus on human faces. What does make their brains spark is the glimpse of another dog, the sight of a human, not so much. They actually put humans and dogs through MRI scans, and they had the humans and the dogs watching videos of both humans and dogs. Scientists learns, learned that while humans have a specialized brain region that lights up, when a face comes into view, dogs don't. Both dogs and humans, however, do have a brain region that sparks when a member of the same species comes into view. Faces are central to human visual communication, and human brains are also specialized for faces, but that does not appear to be the case for man's best friend. Dogs do pay attention um, to the action of a human, the movement overall, okay? Dogs may notice our faces, but and even the expressions, so they pay attention to the human faces. They read emotions, they can recognize people from the face alone, but other bodily signals seem to be similarly informative to them. Pretty remarkable, if you think about it. So the next time you come home and the dog greets you and jumps up on you and the tail is wagging wildly back and forth and you're... Doesn't care what's going on on your face, okay? Doesn't matter. One of the really interesting little details of this is they describe how they had to put dogs through MRI scanners. I mean, you think about the poor dog. It's tough enough when they got to go to the vet. Now they had to be strapped down and put through an MRI scan. But yeah, they did it to humans. They did it to dogs. Humans react to other faces, dogs and otherwise. But that that neuro element not there in man's best friend i don't know if that's bad news for you or good news for you whether you own a dog or not but it's science so i bring it to you take the information and do with it what you like and that is a friday edition wagner show edition of great scott you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj 2020 what a year and it's only October 9th, I should point out. What can we possibly expect in the year ahead? That will be explored. That question will be explored next Tuesday in a day-long forum designed to tackle the biggest issues that face us and the topics that matter most to you. Tune in on Tuesday all day from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. for WTMJ 2021. The biggest stories with the biggest guests in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and beyond. WTMJ 2021, presented by Annex Wealth Management and Professional Construction, Inc. It is Tuesday, October 13th. If you want to see the lineup, the outline for how the day will play out here on the air, you can simply text the keyword 
or I guess in this case, the number 2021 to 855-616-1620. Text the word 2021 to 855-616-1620, and we will send right back to you a text of your choosing in this instance, not a political one, and we'll give you the lineup. Real quickly here, um, the NFL has announced that they're trying to stiffen the penalties for COVID violations. The NFL has sent a memo to teams saying that if coaches pull down their masks to argue or converse with an official, the ref will be allowed to throw a penalty. How about that? NFL officials have been authorized to penalize teams for what they will call unsportsmanlike conduct if a coach or someone else on the sideline approaches them while not wearing appropriate face coverings. I mean, how would they describe that? So let's say somebody does it. By the way, Matt LaFleur, the guy's been great. He has not been caught without the thing over his face once on television through the first four games. So I don't know who's been the best, but I'd suggest LaFleur is doing a bang-up job of, of not pulling the mask down. And you have coaches that are doing the opposite. So what would that sound like? You know, you throw the flag. After the play was over, dead ball. Was that a personal foul? Unsportsmanlike conduct. Mask pulling down on, you know, the the coach. I, I don't know. Something like that. Can you imagine if a game turns on that? Biggest play? Coach. Could be worse. You could forget what down it is. You know, be a 43-year-old quarterback and not remember what down it is. Hey, right now when I gauge it, it says 79.9. Remember, if it hits 80, Mercure's in trouble today. The big bet. The big wager. On Wisconsin's afternoon news between he and Brian Goddard, this is getting very interesting. We'll check in on how Mercure's feeling about that and everything else on tap. Wisconsin's afternoon news. We'll check in with the folks after this.